So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. As always, you can find us on social media. So on Facebook, if you type in Folk on Falcons, you'll see our page. And on Twitter, it's simply at Folk on Falcons. Great. So we're hoping this week we'll be able to talk about another famous victory on the top of the league. But um, unfortunately, we never really got out of the blocks until... With 31-0 down, which is obviously a little bit too late against one of the best teams in the country. I guess it's just a classic lesson in how to take your chances, being clinical and not dropping the ball and kicking it away to the opposition. Yeah, well, I mean, not exactly a dream start, was it? Um, Saracens probably obviously had a game plan where they were going to come up, they were going to try and get the bonus point win and then sort of be job done. And uh, we sort of helped them with that, really. Um, Straight away... Really sloppy, too many turnovers, giving them plenty of opportunities and just let them score too easily when they were getting into our 22. We know, especially this season, Saracens are scoring points of fun. And there's a reason for that is because they're really clinical, they're really effective when they are in the opposition's 22. And they brutally showed that um, the other day. And I mean, unfortunately, I think it was sort of game over after a few minutes, really, wasn't it? And obviously, we, we came back later on in the second half, but, you know, I think the game, obviously, the game kind of gone for us at that point. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, we really, really didn't help ourselves. It's a shame, really, because, I mean, we, I think everyone was on a high after, after the Bristol win. I, I did think, actually, we were going to have a, a decent start to this game. And, you know, I, I, I guess I thought Southampton would probably be able to contain that. But the point is, we would have, you know, we would make a really good go of it at the beginning and perhaps fall away towards the end. But, Unfortunately, he didn't even get to that point. And I guess many ways we were our own worst enemy and you just simply can't afford to do that against a team like Saracens. Yeah, it's just, I think things that sum the game up are the fact that quite early on in the match, we had a penalty where we kicked for touch and we missed touch. And then when Saracens get a kick for touch, they got Elliot Daly who hoofs it from his own 10-metre line right down into our danger zone, deep into the 22. And that's just the difference in quality between the teams. And you can't give these teams a chance if you want to beat them. And although we had a little bit of a flurry at the end, and for a brief moment, I thought we might end up getting potentially two losing bonus points. Um, bounced the ball, didn't quite go the right way for Carreras. And you didn't get our third try, which was a set up a a grandstand last three or four minutes but unfortunately we just like you say our own worst enemy and it just it was very strange that it was all Davidson getting injured in warm-ups not a great thing but it was pretty much the same starting team as the week before and it was a completely different level of quality on the pitch mistakes left right and center I think a lot of the difference as well it's not just sort of how we play but obviously as we mentioned already the level of the opposition Making mistakes against Bristol, we got away with and, and weren't necessarily punished. Where against Saracens, you are punished, and that's probably the difference between Saracens and Bristol, certainly at least at the moment. And yeah, you know, like you say, against these teams, you simply just can't do that. And I guess it's sort of a not quite a key moment, but a big moment after the match was Villapola's ridiculous sending off. I mean, why he needed to do that where the game was already won? It can tell you he's an England player, and I think that did obviously give us a chance to kind of get something from the game. But having said that. Saracens, as effective as they are in attack, were still very good in defence. I mean, you know, they, I lost track of the times where actually, with them defending, they were getting closer to our trial line than we were getting closer to theirs, which again highlighted another problem we had with ball in hand. But once again, that does highlight just how disciplined and how effective they are in all in all parts of the pitch. Um, something I didn't notice about Saracens, though, is they seem to be kicking there, especially from, you know, the base of malls and well, rucks of malls there, because that was obviously their sort of signature thing. Was it the past few years they were really effective at the, at, at the box kick and they kind of started the whole modern box kicking trend, really. But I didn't see much of that from them. 
the other day. They were much more effective with sort of ball in hand, um, which I guess is nicer to see from a spectator point of view, but maybe it does show a little shift from them and an evolution for Saracens after sort of the failure of last season, perhaps. So I thought that was kind of interesting to note. I mean, obviously it didn't really affect us either way, but I thought that was that was interesting. As we said, we, we tried our fair share of box kicks in the game, especially early on, and they came back with interest uh, because we weren't accurate with them. We weren't chasing them effectively. And it was effectively just a case of, oh, we don't know what to do with the ball. Let's move it to the opposition and Oh, lo and behold, they're better than us and they run around us and run through us. And, um, there were some silver lines in the game, actually. I think um, our mall defence was quite effective against a decent Saracens pack, although it is quite worrying to look at them and you know, they don't have various internationals like Atoji and George, etc. playing for them. They're still much better than us. And I also thought at times our close defence was quite good, but I guess it was just when there was three or four phases and a bit of creativity and then they were just going around the outside of us. And then I think that the only real standout performance I think was Carreras who once again had a, a very good game especially in the second half when there's a bit more space once they're down to 14 men but overall I wouldn't say any particular individuals played particularly badly uh, I think they were just outplayed all around the park lineouts were okay to begin with but second half after McGuigan went off things weren't quite clicking don't know what it is there but in open play Bumaya played very well once again and got his try but the basics is where it starts and when you can't Seem to win your own line out, you got problems. Yeah, I thought Moroni was also trying to land it to less extent, we're trying to make a few things happen, perhaps trying to force things a little bit. Um, uh, and I think Moroni did try a little sort of chip through, which almost sort of came off, but at least he was kind of trying something. But yeah, I think that was obviously the main problem was we just never really looked like, apart from this, the game kind of broke up a bit. I think Saracens, they kind of take their foot off the gas a bit the second half, but certainly up to the point of the sending off. We just had no creativity, no incision at all in attack. And we were just going sideways and sideways and backwards, you know, the old usual sort of thing. And uh, I don't know, I, mean, I think it's maybe a, a bit more the fact that they are better than us, obviously probably player by player all around the park. I think, you know, you should still be able to offer a bit more in attack. I mean, I, I think it took us about almost half an hour to even get into their 22 for about a split second. And I know obviously we're playing a very good side, but, you know, especially at home, we, we can't, you know, we can't be doing that. We have respect to get anything from games if, if that's the way we're going to play. Um, yeah, I mean, go back to, point about Carreras I mean how unlucky was that with the almost try I mean it must be only about an inch or so or split second whatever metric you want to put it as to, to getting even arguably try of the season because he has you know it was well in our own half, our own half. he boshed off a couple of players and then yeah ridiculous but um, would we have got a losing bonus point if he got that I don't know possibly well, we'd have had time for another yeah it would have been time, yeah, tough on that, but that was a real shame. But um, yeah, as you say, I, I don't think anyone played particularly badly as such. I think one or two, as you say, Carreras in particular, I thought played well. And also I mentioned Maroni, I think, tried to get a few things going. But yeah, I think we've just got to hold our hands up and say, beaten by a much better team and we just simply didn't help ourselves. Yeah, and if we look forward to next week, obviously, I'd say probably a very similar game to Saracens, but potentially slightly worse opposition in that Playing Northampton and scoring tries for fun, as evidenced by the performance at the weekend against Wasps. And um, once again, a team that is leaking tries. So I guess if we get out of the blocks and don't give them a few tries head start, then we do have an opportunity to get a good foothold in the game and see what happens. Yeah, I worry it might be a bit like... Now I'll give that in the last season where oh, give them time and space and they'll cut you to ribbons because that, that's 
what they're very good at. That's obviously why they're scoring a lot of points. And they're so dangerous. As you say, they end up like against Wasps at the weekend where, you know, give them a bit of time, give them a bit of space. If they get this kind of momentum swing in their way, you know, they can really, really punish you. So we're in for a tough time, I think. Um, we have to show more going forward the ball in hand. We have to stand any chance. As you say, they do concede tries, but obviously that's all well and good, but we actually have to get those tries. Until sort of the first half yesterday, well, yesterday, as we're calling this, uh, actually we have been scoring tries, so if we can kind of get that going again and sort of consistently throughout the game, show more of a threat, then maybe we we can get some tries and we can sort of look towards at least sort of bonus point territory. And I I think that's got to be the realistic objective. Certainly has. And then obviously, um, we'll cover it next week's podcast, but just after that midweek, we've got, Another nice fixture against Leicester, albeit in the Premiership Cup. So it looks like it might not be a terribly fun October for the boys. Yeah, well, I mean, wait, Leicester's never an easy trip no matter what the competition. Who knows? I mean, like we said, of all these cup games, a chance for some of these young players to kind of really step up and show themselves. I mean, a win at Leicester in any competition would be fantastic. And I guess there's incentive right there. You know, you can win a game at Welford Road. So fingers crossed, but I think it's, it's going to be quite a tough one. I mean, I've watched a couple of Leicester games in that competition and they've looked pretty good. So, uh, yeah, might have our work cut out there, but we, we live in hope. Yes, and if we look a little bit further on the fixture list, um, this week eventually the European fixtures were released in that... Um, We've got the, we did have the weekends, but now we've got the actual kickoff times for our matches against Connaughton and Cardiff. So I think the Connaught ones are, it's a Saturday evening at 5 or 5.30 p.m. over on, in Galway. And then against Cardiff, it's a Sunday afternoon at three o'clock. So um, I know a few of us have been looking at the, the travel plans for those fixtures, but it should be a, a good excuse to get on the road and fly the Falcons colours somewhere else other than the usual clubs. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you've got to hope that. We can kind of attack these fixtures, but I don't know. I think this season's not really the priority, and uh, I, I don't know what sort of teams they'll be put, sort of putting out really for these games. Um, I think we've, we've got to hope that we can. Well, well I think it'd be nice. I, I don't want to say hope. I think it'd be nice if we can get the knockout stages again, and you know, kind of have a better showing than we did against Glasgow last season, which was pretty grim. You know, we say it's every year. Why not have a go? I suppose. Uh, this competition, you know, you just need to get out of the group and have a bit of a decent performance, get a good draw at home if you do well in the group and you're in the latest stages of the competition, you never know then. So, you know, I think we're at the stage with this where we could be a bit optimistic, I guess, and kind of hope we can go far in Europe for a change. Well, I see no real reason why they shouldn't go for it, to be honest. I hope they do since I've booked my accommodation for going over to Galway. But there's no relegation this year. Well, there is. We'll move on to Worcester and Wasps in a minute, I suppose, as we always seem to. But there's there's no relegation threat this year for us. Um, you don't get different amounts of money depending on where you finish in the league. So you may as well roll the dice and get as many home fixtures in the calendar as possible. Because if we get to the latest stage of the competition, it's obviously gate receipts that we end up racking up. And that's obviously good for the club's finances. That's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't play our strongest teams in this competition this year. Yeah, potentially. I just For me, I think it, the priority is to win league games at home. Um, if you can do well in this competition, then, then great, fantastic. I think if, you, if we do get later stages, then we do look to definitely play our strongest teams because at that stage, it's definitely worth, you know, having a go at winning. Um, I, I just feel that, I'm not sure, I think Connor and Cardiff are not 
particularly easy games. I think we've got a bit of a tough group, actually. Like you say, we can have a go at it. You never know in this competition. Uh, we've come with some pretty good results in the past in Europe. Um, so we'll give it a go and see what happens and just enjoy the ride, I suppose. So inevitably, we do end up moving on to the, the Ws, Wasps and Worcester. Worcester are now officially dead and buried this year. The company that owned the players didn't pay them, so the players have all been released. And the, the redistribution has already started. Various players moving around the country I'm not going to go forensically into it because it seems to be a day-by-day thing that new revelations happen there. But um, Lawrence Delolio made himself incredibly unpopular over the weekend by suggesting on BT Sport that Wasps, because they're a bigger club, should be treated differently to Worcester. To me, it stank of arrogance and it was completely... If anything that was suggested by him was to happen, it'd be completely unacceptable. And I might be well inclined to boycott rugby for a bit because... It would purely be an old boys club making rules themselves. I mean, those comments were kind of sort of the perceived worst things about the sport, really. Um, how, you know, it is just sort of a very cliquey and very elitist in terms of, of the clubs and how, you know, we always say as Falcons fans, you know, all these other clubs get all this attention, that attention. You know, we get one go and beat sport where all these other clubs get, you know, five times that in about two months or whatever. And I think those, those comments kind of sum it up. And the, the, on one hand, I kind of expect them to kind of, battle in their corner because obviously that's what he's going to do in his position at Wasps but the other hand it's I think it's quite distasteful actually you know it, it, it's it's hypocritical because I know he's made comments about you know how terrible it has been with Worcester but then you can't just one week say oh it's terrible what happened to Worcester and then say oh actually but we're different no 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 but we're, we're much better than that. that that can't happen to us I don't want to use offensive, it's a very strong term, but it's hypocritical and it's distasteful, I think is a word I'll use, um, given as obviously it's only the past week or so, Worcester have become dead and buried. And it would be an absolute disgrace if Worcester are treated different. Now, you know, at this stage, obviously, outsiders looking in, we don't know the exact details. We don't know if it is exactly the same as what happened with Worcester. But I think blame the pandemic is pretty far, is, is a long shot. And I know Worcester wanted to do the same. I think on the same way that Worcester couldn't show that it was the pandemic, it was mismanagement. I think Wasp is going to be the same. Um, and I think if they are treated differently, it would be absolute disgrace, and it would be a real, really a real black mark on the sport. I think almost as bad as what happened with Saracens. Well, if they if they do get away with blaming the pandemic, there are a few a bunch of fools or just bent because they've been losing ten million quid a year. And that was long before the pandemic happened. And yeah, it won't have helped matters. But they also got taxpayer bailouts during the pandemic. And the fact of the matter is, Lawrence Delalio is a director of Wasps Rugby and he's got vested interest at heart. And the proposal is that there will be a sale of Wasps to a consortium if they enter administration. And the prerequisite of that is obviously that you end up buying, or the consortium would end up buying a club with a lot less liabilities, i.e. they get it on the cheap compared to what they would do if they took it on as a going concern and had to settle all the debts. But that doesn't get around the fact that it's written into the premiership rules that a club in administration gets relegated to discourage the exact exact sort of profligacy and waste that Wasps have been splurging money over the last several years since they moved to Coventry. And if they get away with pulling the no-fault administration clause through COVID, then it is just going to open the floodgates to every single other professional sport or professional rugby team potentially going the same way and shafting the creditors and starting up a phoenix operation because every single rugby club could pull the same card because they're all in debt it's an absolute joke if they get away with it hopefully they don't right so if we do a roundup of the weekend's action we'll start with the premiership 
So on Friday night, Bristol got very heavily beaten. I guess you could call it a, a southwest derby. 14 points to 50 by Exeter. On Saturday, Bath lost to Gloucester, 17 points to 21. Leicester lost to Sale, 26 points to 16. And on Sunday, along with our defeat to Saracens, 14 points to 34. Wasps got beaten in a quite a good match, 36 points to 40 by Northampton. So I think this week, all the away teams won. Don't know when the last time that happened was. Maybe someone can tell me on the on the stats. So that leaves the table as follows. Saracens have still got maximum points. Played 4-1-4, got 20 points. Sale have played 4-1-4, only got 19 by virtue of one less bonus point. Extra 14 alongside Bristol. Harlequins and Northampton both have 13. Gloucester and Leicester both have 11. Wasps have 6. London Irish have 7. We have five, and Bath have four, and note there is no Worcester anymore. The games against Worcester that have been played have been expunged from the record. Aside from the Premiership, um, there are very, very few matches played across the local and national leagues this week by being one of the bye weekends. So a couple of catch-up games here and there, but nobody from our region seems to have played a single game. So I can't give you any score updates from there. So I guess that makes that section of the podcast a bit quicker than usual. And that concludes proceedings. So once again, thank you for listening, everybody. Bye, everyone.